Hello, musical theatre fans. Welcome to the Mayor of Musical Theatre podcast. My name is Ian Boquette, and every episode I ask special guests from the world of musical theatre and beyond and below, way down under the ground, all about their favourite musicals and what one show they would order run forever if they were the Mayor of Musical Theatre, which is, to be clear, a made-up position. Made-up position unlike King of the Underworld. Hades himself. Tonight's guest. Are you listening to this in nighttime? You probably should. It's uh, moody, edgy. What am I talking about in this intro? It's Zachary James this episode. Zachary James, who is currently playing Hades in Hades Town. I've, if you've been listening to this podcast at all over the previous episodes, you'll know that Hades Town is an incredible musical. Every single guest brings it up as one of their favourites. And it's only just opened in London. So Hadestown, if you don't know the history, it's by folk singer Aeneas Mitchell. It won all the Tony Awards recently for its amazing Broadway run. It's got an American tour going on. Before that, they had a run at the National Theatre for a few months when it was in a slightly earlier stage. Um, Before that, they had a New York Theatre workshop run. And before that, there was about 10 years where Aeneas Mitchell and friends would perform it on the road or cram into a van and perform it in a very DIY punk way all around the country. There are three recordings. There is the original concept album with Aeneas Mitchell, Annie DeFranco, Greg Brown and others singing the parts. And then there's a New York Theatre Workshop version and the Broadway cast recording. If you're not familiar with Hades Town, uh, well, listen to the episode first. Zachary James has a lot of amazing things to say about it, but do go explore it. Check out all the recordings. Or if you're within driving train distance of London, get to the Lyric Theatre where it's where it's about to open, actually. It's press night very, very soon. Um, Hades Town Lyric Theatre, all the tickets available on- online. They also have a daily ticket lottery where you can get amazing seats for just £30 if you're lucky enough to win. But you will be up against me in every single lottery because I'm a huge fan of this show. I'm going to be trying to go as much as possible. So so see you all there. Do come say hi if you see me in the crowd. I will, as I say, every night, every matinee, I will be there. Um, Zachary James is a phenomenal performer. Um, there have been a few different iterations of Hades in the past, um, the low-voiced bass of Hades, the king of the underworld. And Zachary James' interpretation of it is it's sublime. Uh, you have to see it. It's a very human, very vulnerable Hades, but at the same time is as powerful and intimidating as he wants to be as well. He's such an incredible performer, a Grammy Award winner. He's an opera singer. He is a musical theatre star. He's a he was on 30 Rock as a TV star as well. He's a and a lovely man, as you'll hear in this interview. Wonderful human being. Well, this podcast is produced in association with musicaltheaterreview.com, your premier source for news reviews and interviews on all things on stage, backstage and worldwide. Now, the social links for them uh, are all in the show notes, as well as the social media links for this show and Zachary James himself. So do get following, liking and subscribing. Also, if you want to leave reviews and that sort of thing on iTunes, a podcast still on iTunes. Does iTunes even exist anymore? God, I'm showing my age here. Well, anyway, I hope you enjoy this podcast with Zachary James. Do follow Think, do book to see Hades Town. Hope you enjoy the episode. Let's go. Who is that man? He looks not well, you know. <laughs> Hey 
Welcome to the Mayor of Musical Theatre podcast. I am composer, reviewer, photographer, and now podcaster slash fake mayor, Ian Boquet. But I am far less worthy of the title of Mayor of Musical Theatre than my guest today. He is a renowned actor, singer, recording artist, and Grammy Award winner who has performed with opera companies around the world, created the role of Lurch in the Adams Family on Broadway, worked with artists as diverse as Philip Glass and Tina Fey, and is now starring as the king of the underworld himself, Hades, in the much-anticipated London return of Anais Mitchell's Hades Town at the Lyric Theatre. Zachary James, thank you so much for being on the podcast. What's up? Thanks for having me. Well, I should say first, thank you for inviting us into your amazing dressing room. Could you give our listeners a bit of an audio tour of the environment? Sure, yeah. It, it uh, most importantly starts with some red uh, window tint that creates a ominous uh, underworld shadow all day long. And I have a collection of art from local UK artists that kind of depicts the emotional landscape of Hades. And uh, wow, yeah, I just kind of made it dark and cozy, uh, <laughs> a dark and cozy man cave for <laughs> Mr. Hades. Dark and cozy. Um, I have to say there is a Grammy Award sitting there as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a little cheesy to have it here, but it reminds me to be excellent. So <laughs> most yeah. important when what doing you're a long run. Every single yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Like, all right, don't don't be terrible. <laughs> it's great restraint not to put it on a chain and wear it around your neck. Yeah, what yeah. It's better than being a doorstop, also. So, <laughs> and of course, books everywhere. Greek myths, books. Um, yes. Being in, I mean, this Hades town, obviously based on Greek myth. Uh, before this, you worked in shows, um, Akhenaten, based on Egyptian mythology. Are you yeah. into the mythology, religious, spiritual? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm kind of a deeply spiritual person, and uh, yeah, I feel very much the the responsibility of bringing these characters to life. The you know. <laughs> just uh, yeah. generations of of myth and lore that are very important to people. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, especially characters as big as these in Hades Town. Yes. Yes. Big shoes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this show itself, we've talked about it a lot on this podcast. This podcast is obviously about people's favorite musicals. Hades Town has come up constantly, even though it's only officially now opened in London. It's been around as a concept album for years. I got into it back being a Nace Mitchell fan over a decade ago. She's amazing. Uh, when did you encounter this show? So I did Sweeney Todd in Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, wow. Yeah, a few years ago um, with the choreographer, David Newman, uh, mm. choreographer of Hades Town. And after our first sing through, I was playing Sweeney and he said, dude, you have to play Hades. And I was like, sure, yeah, put me in. But I had never heard it or seen it or anything. So on my drive home uh, from Nebraska to New York, which takes about three days, I listened wow. to Hades Town on repeat, the concept album, the off-Broadway, the Broadway, and just was intoxicated by it, especially uh, Chips, uh, when the chips are down, just like took me right in. I was on repeat singing it for yeah. several states of my drive <laughs> working out each part of the harmony as yeah yeah on. yeah i mean it was just un unlike anything i had heard and i was like yeah i have to be a part of this well it's a great show in that respect because you can see its development over the years yeah those concept albums yeah and then obviously people like greg brown and patrick page playing oh Hades on the record yeah um, did you study their approach much of yeah i mean i think they those those interpretations are just in our bones now because it's been around for a minute and it's so important to people um, and I saw Patrick do it on Broadway. I saw Philip Boykin, who's currently playing Hades, do it on Broadway. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I said, it's big shoes. I talked to Patrick actually when oh, I was really? cast and he was so incredibly generous and just said, you know, no matter what, you have to make this wholly your own. And I thought, mm -hmm. all right, Patrick's blessing. Like <laughs> we can, we can do our thing. Um, but, uh, you know, studied, studied other interpretations, definitely listened to everything thoroughly. Um, but this creative team has really allowed us 
us to put our own spin on it and gave us freedom to find new things, which was really awesome. I was going to say, I was lucky enough to see a preview just a couple of days ago. I really love how the show is at the moment, especially your interpretation of Hades. Thank you. Um, it's very human, very relatable. You really dig into the, he's insecure. He's like all of us. Yes. Of yes. That was my goal. That means a lot. Thank you. Yeah. I just wanted to make him human and relatable and accessible and just kind of approach him as a wounded little boy who was given the keys to the kingdom and <laughs> has been hurt a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fantastic because it's no less intimidating or villainous. It's just, it just has a little bit of humor and you yeah. feel for him more. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like you, the audience has to be rooting for him in a way or it's not a successful interpretation, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I love the interpretations throughout the cast, of course. It's a yeah. great cast we got together. Um, how is the backstage vibe at the moment? Oh, We're still getting along a few days yeah, in. No, we have the best time. I was saying the other day, like, it's it's incredible that we even have a show to do because all we've done is goof around and laugh <laughs> for two months. And it's like, how do we get here? You know, we never really worked. We just had fun. So, yeah, it's an amazing group. Uh, I really love the show at the start where Hermes turns around and she says, all right to you. It's yeah. consent to start the show. Yeah. It starts in an informal way. You're, you're carrying on that collegial vibe mm -hmm. into the stage time. Yeah. So it's great that you get to, you get along backstage and then you get on stage and you don't, you're not fully into character yet. Yeah. I mean, we really, it's, it's unlike anything that we're allowed to come out and greet each other and relax before we start, which it's like normally in a show, it's like you get a half hour and you're like, okay, I can chill out now. <laughs> but yeah, we just relax yeah. at the start, at the start of it and go, you know, and, and to break that wall and get consent from the audience and hear that mm. reaction is really special. I was listening to an interview, I think even Noble Azada, who played Eurydice yeah. on Broadway and National Theatre, actually, back when it started here. Um, she was saying how that part is so great, because even if you don't feel as if you're up for the show that night, yes. you just get yourself on stage, you look at everyone else. And yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're not at that point where we are like, oh, man, we've done this a million times. We've got to do it again, because um, tonight is our fifth preview, I believe. Um, but, but there's definitely, you can feel... Um, what that moment does in many ways. And yeah, I think it will carry us through for sure. And I'm sure there'll be some audience members who attend nearly as often as you perform. Oh, we've already had people come three times wow. and we've had five previews. So <laughs> yeah. Well, you're doing loyalty cards and everything. To yeah, get we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I'm great. excited to fill mine up. Yeah. The stage door has been so fun. I mean, it's incredible to hear people's stories and where they're traveling from. We had a group of uh, three girls on opening night who have seen the show collectively 132 times. Wow. Yeah. And they flew from New York to be here on our yeah. first preview. And then they did like a 20 minute uh, video dissertation of the changes and their thoughts and everything. It was really cool. I mean, that's a really useful resource for everyone around the world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, think? it was cool yeah. for me too. I was like, all right, that is some good insight. <laughs> like they know the show way better than we ever will, you know? <laughs> yeah. Now I'm sure I've heard that album on repeat a lot of times, uh, 132 yeah. times in person. That's yes. What do you yes. think it is about the show that connects with people? I mean, especially younger and newer Broadway audiences and West End audiences? Yeah, well, I can only speak to the first time I saw it in New York and it just, there was something about it that it was just like alchemy that it just it hits really deep in your soul and gets you um, in ways I didn't expect. Um, and I was very emotional. Um, and, and there's a simplicity to the lyrics, but it really tugs on the heart. Mm. You know, uh, love and loss really is what it is. And yeah. the choices we have of how to live our life. Uh, the lyrics especially. I've been a huge Anais Mitchell fan for yeah. years. And the way she's... You'd think a great a poet who 
mm-hmm. who is used to doing poetic lyrics might not translate necessarily to Broadway, where you have to be able to hear it immediately and get the line. And um, Sondheim has a whole thing about how lyrics should be really clear and simple. Yeah. But she's really done it. and She really has. Yeah, I mean, some of the rhymes are so incredible. And just like, you really did a two and a half hour show of rhymes. This is so <laughs> cool. Absolutely. And um, she describes it as the feminine half rhyme as well. Yes. Like doing away with the strict Sondheim. It has to be a pure rhyme. Right. She thinks there's something mystical in the thing where you almost kind of hear the rhyme, but you don't quite. Yeah, yeah. And that comes up, especially in our production where everyone's using their native dialect too, because the rhymes yeah. are a little different, you know. <laughs> It's oh, it's fantastic. Just come see it, everybody. Come see it. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, should mention as well, actually, um, on a previous podcast, I was talking to the brilliant Christina Bianco about our shared love of 30 Rock. Mm. And you got to appear in an episode of that yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. How was that experience? Oh, it was amazing. So I just moved to New York and it was my first TV gig ever. Oh, and wow. yeah, so I didn't even know who my scene partners were going to be because it was early on in the show and it was really under wraps. And it just mm. said guest star TBA. And so I showed up on set at five in the morning, went for camera rehearsal and there's Steve Martin as my scene partner. And I was like, okay, that's (laughs) guest star TBA, (laughs) you know, and Tina Fey and Alec Baldwin. It was just, it was really incredible. And I had three days on set with them in this mansion, uh, outside of New York a bit and really, uh, learned a lot about, about what it is to be on a TV set. And it really kind of made me want to do a lot more of that. Amazing. Yeah. Um, but clearly it's theater that's in your bones at the moment that you're sure. To, yeah. So. It all comes back to theater. I mean, that's where I started and, um, yeah. yeah, whether I'm doing TV or opera or whatever, it's like, it's all theater to me. Was there a point in your childhood where there was like one musical theatre show or opera that really got you into this? Yeah, I mean, I got into it really late. Um, I had never seen a musical and um, I was asked by my one of the teachers at my high school to audition for Grease because they didn't have any guys for any of the roles. And uh, the yeah. girls were like triple cast. And Very <laughs> common was, thing. High yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he was pulling people in off the sidewalk with free candy bars, like <laughs> come audition for the musical, sing happy birthday for me. And uh, yeah, so I was cast as Roger in Greece and that was my first musical theater experience. But, uh, I loved it so much. And my, my, the woman who played Jan and that was like, okay, if you love this, watch this. And she handed me a VHS tape cause it was the <laughs> mid nineties of, yeah. of, uh, the original Broadway company of Sweeney Todd. Oh, and that's wow. what did it. And I watched that every day for about two years until the tape didn't work anymore. And oh, I was like, this is, this is the thing. Yeah. Sweeney Todd's an incredible piece. I mean, of the power of the music, but it's Amazing. genuinely scary as well. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, like he says, it's a musical thriller, and and that's I think really hard to achieve a thriller on stage. And yeah, he did it. And straight in there with the bass baritone villains as yes, well. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I've gotten to play Sweeney a few times. I did Judge Turpin also. And yeah, wow. it's, it's just, it's really special to me. Did you have any other childhood passions, like any other roads you might have gone down if it wasn't acting? Yeah, so my dad is a musician and he put me on piano when I was three. So I was actually a classical pianist and did like competitions and toured around and stuff for a long yeah. time. It was really intense and uh, not always fun, but that was... <laughs> what was going what was assumed was going to be my path is I was going to be a classical pianist but wow. then I discovered the stage <laughs> so <laughs> but a really great grounding in music is probably important especially when oh, you're yeah. working in opera and yeah yeah I mean it's really helped I I don't think I would do anything I do without having studied piano so much as a kid yeah well the second question which musical score gets stuck in your head the most often it's got to be Sweeney oh, yeah, yeah yeah truly yeah, yeah, just 
I can hear one phrase and just relate it to Sweeney. I can see the word pie and just get those songs stuck in my head. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I can sing Sweeney like start to finish just by myself. (laughs) (laughs) That's got to be a YouTube video one day, surely. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. When I get bored, yeah. (laughs) Speaking of YouTube, all listeners should find your many YouTube Uh, (laughs) uh, presences. And there is fantastic footage of you in operas and there's dance videos and there's (laughs) incredible stuff out there. There's a lot of weird stuff from the pandemic and I've just (laughs) decided to leave it there <laughs> and uh you know i might regret that someday but there it is <laughs> that's good it's being honest about who you are yeah, and yeah. how crazy we all went during that time uh, absolutely <laughs> how was that for you as a performer oh it was really hard i mean at first it was just like because i i was primarily doing opera at the time which is booked out like two three years in advance so i just right. watched two years of upcoming work be canceled and i was just yeah. like in despair and like okay well my career is over what am i going to do now and you know that wasn't the case and i ended up just uh, finding my own creative voice. And and I just woke up one day and I was like, okay, what do I sing when someone isn't paying me and there isn't a venue? What do I like to (laughs) sing? And I sat at the piano and I was like doing Justin Bieber stuff. And I was like, okay, this is fun, you know? (laughs) And then I started, you know, making weird pop cover albums and doing (laughs) dance videos. (laughs) (laughs) Put yourself a green screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then weirdly, like all these opera companies I'd worked for in the US were like, hey, we like your content. Can you make something for us? And that became my side gig in the pandemic. It kind of got me through. Um, I had a weekly show uh, produced by Dallas Opera. Mm -hmm. Uh, They created a, a streaming network and so I had this weekly interview show and it was really cool because I got to talk to people during the pandemic every week for an hour and and oh, ask yeah, questions just like this you know interview people and it was really special yeah I found that great during the pandemic anytime I could do a little bit of an interview or something with someone which wasn't just my flatmate or yeah. my family it's it's felt like I was connected to the world again connection yeah really um, how long have you been in London now? So I've been in London since December 11th, which was our first day of rehearsal. Um, right. I closed a show in New York on the 10th, flew overnight and went right to <laughs> rehearsal. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So your voice is an octave deeper uh, yeah, than usual. Yeah, it was rough. I look at pictures from our first day meet and greet. I'm like, who is that man? <laughs> <laughs> he looks not well. You know? <laughs> how are you but, finding the city so far? Oh, it's great. I mean, I, I've been working here off and on for about 10 years, uh, primarily at English National Opera, which has been so good to me, oh, uh, doing all Philip Glass works. And, um, so yeah, this is one of my absolute favorite places to be. I've always wanted to be here full time. So this is quite a gift to be here for at least a year. Well, it seems to be, it's extended even before it started to yeah. the show. So let's keep up on this for a long, long while. Yeah, it might be around. So <laughs> I think the Broadway version is about the 72nd longest running show on Broadway oh, now. It's wow. And counting. Yeah. All right. It's doing well. Yeah. No, it's, I guess what, like five years now, pandemic included, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, while you've been in London, have you had much of a chance to see any other productions? I haven't seen too much. The first thing I did was run to this very theater to see Peter Pan Goes Wrong so I could scope out the, you know, the venue and see what's up. Of I, course. I just wanted to know what it looked like while mm. we were rehearsing and kind of what, what I'd be looking out at. Um, I saw yeah. Giselle at English National Ballet. How good was that? It was amazing. So yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And Kim's Convenience also um, oh, off West End, which was really beautiful. Well, the third question was, what's your favorite musical currently running in London? Oh, um, hmm. I want to say Cabaret. Oh, isn't it so good? Yeah, yeah. Um, Did you do the full immersive experience at the tables? Or? I haven't seen it yet, oh, but okay. I just know that show so well. And yeah. I can tell it's a very special production and I will be there very soon. <laughs> as soon as you get one slight little matinee off then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is phenomenal. That is probably the most commonly answered question 
Really? For this question. It's just, just a, like, it's a really special show. I mean, Kander and Ebb made magic and mm. you know, it's, it's spooky that that show remains so relevant, but Terrifying, here we yeah. are, you know, and one of the few movies that's as good oh, as the musical itself. God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Well, speaking of movie musicals, what is your favorite movie musical? I'm going to say apologies to Cabaret, but Chicago. Another Candle and Ebb. Yeah. It's yeah. fantastic adaptation. Oh, it's great. It's really great. And Catherine Zeta-Jones and Renee Zellweger just knocked that out of the park. I think their best work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's funny. It's The songs sound so good on it as well, yes. which is rare for yes. a movie musical. Yes. And the dancing and the way it was cut and, you know, the cinematography, it's just gorgeous. It's very special. And of course, as a video producing artist yourself, you can appreciate <laughs> well, it. Well, that's an amateur video <laughs> producing artist, yes. <laughs> Which musical has made you laugh the most? Drowsy Chaperone. Oh, yes. That yeah. was the um, Anna Jane Casey's answer on our very first podcast. Oh, really? Oh, my goodness. And I st- one I still haven't seen. It hasn't been in London. Oh, it's so good. I saw it in New York and, and my friend Danny Burstein was in it as Adolfo. And yeah, I, yeah. I laughed uncontrollably, which is actually hard. I, I tend to not laugh as much when I'm watching things, I appreciate it and think it's funny, but laugh out loud is hard to achieve for me. And yeah, yeah. I find if I'm sitting watching TV, I never laugh. I smirk a little bit, yeah, but at least in an weird. audience, there is a bit of a communal. Right. That's the thing. Laughter is really a communal experience. It's, it's like, yeah, yeah a rare thing to laugh alone. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it can be a bit harder in a theater if it's like a big cavernous space, yeah. but um, when a show is really good and everyone gets going. Oh yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah. That show is just hilarious. <laughs> Um, some of the biggest laughs I've heard in the theatre were during Hades Town, actually. Really, Hades Town, um, Hades little dance during the dance section yeah. with um, with Persephone at the end. Your um, this song's about me. This, yeah, all the little Hades lines. Oh, that's cool. I mean, I honestly, I don't, I, I black out. I don't even hear it. <laughs> <laughs> like, Deep into character. Then. Yeah, yeah. Which musical might people be surprised to learn you love? It could be something at odds with your personality or a guilty pleasure. Sure thing. I mean, this is going to be incredibly controversial, but I'm going to go with um, Bad Cinderella, which here was just called Cinderella. Absolutely. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I saw Bad Cinderella in New York and I had the best time. (laughs) It was so fun. (laughs) I think you would if you go into a show and you hear possibly not the best things. The yeah. expectations are low. And expectations it's a Broadway show. It's going to be good, isn't it? It was great. And and my dear friend Carolee Carmelo is playing the stepmother. So I went to see her. I see everything she does because um, she's a great friend and just always phenomenal. But mm. I had the best time. It was great. Yeah. And for all the snobbiness about Lloyd Webber, he can write a melody. It's going to yeah, be good cheese. Yeah, he's amazing. I don't, know, I don't know what people's problem was <laughs> in, in New York. It, it should have run for a long time. But, oh, well. On the other side of the coin, which musical do other people really love that you don't quite connect with? Oh, I'm going to get in so much trouble. (laughs) (laughs) I, for some reason, and I haven't seen the production here yet, and I'm going to, and I'm prepared to love it, but I have an extreme allergy to Guys and Dolls. Oh, this is a controversial It's very controversial, and I'm sorry, everyone. Um, But yeah, I I think it goes back to college. I had a musical theater history class, and we studied Guys and Dolls for an entire semester, and I just stopped going. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I can't do this anymore. (laughs) There were no more layers to Guys and Dolls. No, (laughs) no, and I had friends sign in for me and just like, just, just, you know, help me. I can't go. (laughs) (laughs) I would say the production we have now, it's fun and immersive, and they give you cocktails and pretzels and things. Oh, I'm going to go. Yeah. And you know, it's, I'm, I'm fully prepared to love it (laughs) (laughs) to completely change your mind. Yes, yes, yes. That's my goal. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we had um, Benjamin Shoya, the composer on the podcast recently, who's amazing, of course. Yeah. And Guys and Dolls is his whole personality. Uh, he wants to be Sky Masterson. He dresses well. That's yeah, his. he is very Sky Masterson. Yeah. And a great, lovely guy. But yeah, I'm sure you two would still get on. Oh, we, I, I know him good. well. Oh, yeah. Lovely. Yeah. We did something together in New York years ago. But oh, amazing. Yeah, an opera he wrote. Uh, well, actually, during our conversation, I was talking about... Um, his friendship with Anais Mitchell as well. Oh. It seems like there's a great Broadway scene where everyone does get on. Yeah, people really kind of gravitate towards each other. It's really beautiful. I mean, it's an incredibly small community. Um, yeah. It feels huge, but it's really small and everyone kind of knows each other. I suppose yeah. if you're doing a cabaret, it's going to be in one of a few bars and you'll yeah, see Yeah, I mean, other. there's a few venues and that's that and everybody shows up for everyone. It's really beautiful. Beautiful. Which musical's fictional world would you most like to live in? Wizard of Oz. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. And probably a bit scary as well, depending on Yeah, but that's fun. There. Yeah. <laughs> you could have both. You could be like, I'm, today I'm going to hang out with these happy people and yeah. tomorrow I'm going to go on an adventure and almost die. Yeah. Do you think you could, you would be the human who balloons in and becomes the wizard or would you be a character who lives in Oz as a local um, weirdo? I think I would be like probably a scarecrow type that, you know, is an yeah. outsider on an adventure and just taking it all in. Excellent fun. Which musical have you never seen that you think you should have seen? It could okay. be a classic show that's passed you by or a new work that sounds exciting. So yeah, I'm going to get in trouble again, but I've but never seen Les Mis. That's a big, big show. I know, I know. <laughs> and I just saw Phantom for the first time last year. <laughs> wow. It's yeah, a big show. I, I'm, I, uh, yeah, I'm just going to get in a lot of trouble today. <laughs> no, it's good. Honestly, doing this podcast, every episode is about Les Mis and Phantom. So okay. <laughs> thank well, God for a fresh... Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's especially controversial because I'm always like, Javert is my dream and I've never seen it. But it's fun to sing. Yeah, I've seen YouTube videos of you perform. <laughs> yeah, I've done it. I've auditioned a lot, but perhaps part of the reason I don't get cast is I've never seen it <laughs> and have no idea. So you're doing it in on. a German accent. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Have you been tempted to at least see the film or something that's... I've seen the film, but okay. I just, I don't count that necessarily as, you know, Absolutely. I need to see A lot of stage. people would agree with that. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. But it was cool. It was really cool, but... Well, it's a very long walk from here to see Les Mis. So maybe yes, some point you're in I will get there. I will get there. I promise. <laughs> a couple of meters down the road. Yeah. So Les Mis, Guys and Dolls, and Cabaret. We're starting a list here. Yeah. You're going to be busy in London. Yeah. <laughs> Such a shame you have to do eight shows a week. Really. I know. I know. I know. If you were to direct a radical restaging of a classic musical, which one would you choose to bring up to date in some way? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to throw it back to my second Broadway show, which was South Pacific. Ooh. And I'm going to direct South Pacific in Antarctica. That would be incredible. That's right. And and wash wow. that man out of my hair happens in like showers on a submarine. So a slightly more industrial vibe yes, to it all. Absolutely. Yeah. That'd be such a new take on it. Yeah, yeah. And maybe they have everyone's in like extreme winter wear and you can't even hear what they're saying or singing. You just hear the orchestra and they're like walking around in, you know. Wow. Yeah, cold South weather spacesuits. Yeah. <laughs> that show is so ripe for a, a modern reinterpretation. Yeah. You would watch that though, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I guess see any new Rogers and Hammerstein. We've just had the Oklahoma. Yeah. yeah. We had Carousel, I think it was last year at Regent's Park, uh, which was one of my favorite Rogers and Hammerstein yeah, productions Carousel. ever. Yeah. Uh, they, because they're all great musicals with great music. Oh, amazing. And yeah. sometimes you just want to see it in a new light. Yeah. Yeah. Smooths over some of the more problematic elements. And yes. Makes yeah. it more palatable. Yeah. I've done uh, Oklahoma, South Pacific, and Carousel, and all in very traditional i mean the the broadway revival at lincoln center wasn't necessarily traditional it was contemporary but it honored it in a way that was traditional so i'd love to mm. do something new wow and i mean can we make this happen 
Yeah, Can yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll call the producers of Haiti Sound. It sounds like something they'd be into. They've got money now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Productions yeah, all over yeah, the world. Yeah, yeah, or like Oklahoma in space, you know. Oklahoma in space. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Make it happen. Yeah. Well, the big question of the podcast, if you were the mayor of musical theatre rather than the king of the underworld, if you had that power, which show would you order be staged forever so you can go see it whenever you want and in which venue? I bet you know my answer. It's going to be Sweeney Todd. Oh, yes, please. Yeah. Original Broadway cast and mm. original theatre. Yeah. Yeah. It should definitely exist on Broadway. I'm surprised it doesn't live in London the way Lane It should. It really should. I mean, yeah, they should just build a shrine on Fleet Street to Sweeney Todd and just have it here all the time. Yeah, yeah. They did have a a pie shop production of it a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. Incredible little. And it seems like something like that would be popular forever. They could keep that. Now, I heard that the Sondheim estate will no longer allow Sweeney Todd to be done in a pie shop after that production, even though he was supportive of it. But now in the licensing, it's like no immersive. (laughs) Productions. (laughs) Productions. <laughs> People get so, too scared. <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I guess, I don't know. It seems like it should be the big lame is of London. I agree. Yeah. It's I mean, London it should show. just always be on. And the current production in New York is such a huge hit. I mm. mean, it's it's packed every single day. So. I really want to go see it. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. It I was really to get cool. Some money together. Yeah. Yeah, I really wanted to go over for when that and Merrily we roll along and oh here God. we are on at the same know, time, have a Sondheim week. But yeah, well, I think I think going forward, you know, Sondheim week will be a thing for a while. You know, we just lost him and everyone's mourning by putting his works up. And I think that's a really wonderful thing. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, You've my been pleasure. Thanks guest. for having me. Yeah. Thank you. And good luck in Hadestown. Thank All you. Listeners, Come do see go us. See it. Do go see it. Yes. So that was Zachary James, Hades, King of the Underworld. He conducts the Electric City. What an incredibly lovely human being. Nothing like Hades. Is he human? I'm sure he has his vulnerabilities as well. But an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much, Zachary, for being on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you get to Hades Town, Lyric Theatre. It's got a daily ticket lottery. There are tickets available. It's booking all the way until the autumn, and I'm sure it will stick around a lot longer than that. Um, as we say in the episode, it's just become the what's 72nd longest running show in Broadway history, something like that. I hope it sticks around a long time. It won all the Tony Awards. I'm sure it will do well in all the UK awards as well. Genuinely one of my favourite musicals of all time. Make sure you check it out. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode. It was produced in association with musicaltheaterreview.com, your premier source for all things news reviews and interviews on everything on stage, backstage and worldwide. Um, Check out the social media links in the show notes. Follow them, follow this podcast, follow Zachary James, go see Hadestown and I'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you very much for tuning in, everyone. Bye bye.